Welcome to Deeper Levels, a podcast about pathology, medicine, and science, mostly. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome a very special and talented guest, Chris Demas. Chris is a third, almost fourth-year medical student at the Alpert Medical School of Brown University. Before beginning medical school, he completed his undergraduate degree in biochemistry and physics, because one wasn't enough, where he received many honors and appeared to excel in many fields of study. He is also a musician and a Greek dancer and has successfully launched something into space. So all in all, Chris is a well-rounded, left- and right-brained person. Chris, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Did I get it all right so far? Have I? <laughs> so far, so good. Um, <laughs> such a nice introduction. Thank you. Isn't it nice to hear people talk about you? You're like, hey, maybe I've done some things in my life, you know, <laughs> like besides put sweatpants on today or whatever. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I've asked you here today in part to discuss your um, sort of jaw dropping videos on histology and physiology, which is how I came to know you. I'm excited. Um, yeah. Yeah. As part of the medical school curriculum at Brown, um, your videos are made available to medical students studying histology, of which I am a small group leader. This is how I found out about you. Um, for those who have not seen them, they cover different organ systems with narration, which, um, and I'm sure Chris can explain this better than I can, but basically it's shot um, over with a camera over what looks like a giant piece of poster board while you're drawing and talking. And then you superimpose histologic pictures into the um, drawing. And it's it all is sort of like a story that's being told. Um, I will post the link to his YouTube channel, which is very worth looking at, even for experienced pathologists. There's things in there that, you know, you forget. So um, as someone who colored my own notes in undergrad medical school, and I continue to do this with crowns, um, and I redraw figures myself on whiteboards, these videos really resonate with me. It's kind of like what I was up to in a much more sophisticated online digital format. So um, Chris, can you tell me how you started doing these videos? Do you have prior experience in this area or do you consider yourself artistic? Thanks so much. Yeah. So I think you did a great job of describing, you know, what the videos look like. And I think the best thing to do is just to go look at them online though. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of my artistic background, do I consider myself artistic? Um, it's more of something that I've learned through just doing a lot of teaching over time. I've really always engaged with students, whether it's peer mentoring, tutoring. Um, in college, I did a lot of um, TAing and um, what, it's actually called uh, teaching fellow. Um, so I was always doing things at the blackboard or whiteboard and I'm a very visual learner. So I was constantly drawing and um, it's sort of the way I love to teach. And in particular, I'm pretty... Um, I like things to look nice. So I certainly like to take a lot of time to, so that's really where um, I think the quality comes in is I just really do spend a lot of time doing it. Um, okay. And when I describe how I make the videos a little later, I think you'll get a sense yeah. of, of why, um, you know, it might take that long or, uh, you know, look that way because it, okay. it does take a lot of practice. Okay. Well, that, that makes me feel a little bit better that you can just sit down and like draw this. Do, um, did you, so you took the histology class and then you started doing these videos. This wasn't something you did while you were learning it. Did you, were you becoming a teacher for the students um, who were taking a class you'd already taken? Or is this a study sort of um, method that you developed while you were taking the class? So it was something that I developed after taking the class. Um, okay. 
Histology is notoriously one of the most highly rated courses, actually. And um, I happened to find a mentor, um, my small group leader, Dr. O, um, who just did a phenomenal job teaching. And uh-huh. um, there's essentially a scholarly contra- uh, concentration program um, that is a longitudinal um, research project you can be involved with at um, the Warren Albert Medical School. And okay. um, in particular, there's there's an area of focus uh, in medical education. And I sort of really thought, you know, what a what better thing to do just because I love teaching so much. And I was really drawn to like this topic partially because one, there really isn't a whole lot of video lectures on histology out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the whole sort of market for medical education is pretty saturated. Um, a lot of topics you can Google and you can find stuff. However, high quality video lectures for histology is something that really didn't exist. And I felt like histology, which is really the study of the structure, the normal structure of tissues um, at the cellular level and sort of building up into organ systems, um, can really be represented well um, with a visual approach. And I thought, you know, what what better to do during my my summer off than to sort of study, learn, as well as um, just have the opportunity to like put everything together um, while also, you know, having a little bit of fun too at the same time, because it is uh, fun for me to draw. So you spent your summer off drawing uh, histology videos or at least getting prepared to do it. That's amazing. That's right. That's right. That's amazing. Wow. Good for you. So um, my next series of questions were about how the videos come to be. I assume that these require planning just because the one I'm thinking of, the one I've watched more than once is the one about the ovary. Obviously I'm a GYM pathologist and you basically start off drawing the ovary kind of on the left-hand side of this board or piece of paper or whatever it is. And then you, you know, you have the, the ovum sort of erupting out and the fallopian tube comes. I mean, it's just, and, and then it all comes back around in a circle and I'm thinking you must plan this ahead of time. This is amazing. Do you have like a, like a whiteboard you draw it out on? Is there a script somewhere that we can't see that you kind of are ticking things off as you go? How does that work? So you have very astutely pretty much figured out how I do it, but um, <laughs> you know, there, there's a, a few other details. Um, it's not really a whiteboard. It's all um, just, you know, Uh, poster board, really. And um, what I first do is, you know, identify topics. In particular, I identify topics within the histology curriculum that I found struggle that I found to struggle with. Or, you know, I by speaking with my classmates, you know, just areas that were just really challenging for all of us to get on the first pass. And um, from there, sort of identified, you know, some key areas in particular, like the one you mentioned, the the ovary, for example, it's super complex. you know, what is happening in the ovary and what is happening in the uterus is mm-hmm. different. And, but at the same time, it's nice to try to put it all on one page to understand how they relate to each other. Um, so in essence, you know, what I'm doing in terms of planning is actually drawing in pencil beforehand um, out everything that you see me draw in marker. Mm-hmm. However, um, the the nice thing about pencil is that you can actually then um, sort of I have a different type of eraser that allows me to sort of lighten all of the pencil marks on my oh. sheet such that you can't really see anything. Um, also, the lighting in the setup I have. Clever. For so the you're whole... tr- 
it's literally tracing. It's so it. It's well, it's tracing, tracing your own stuff. It's not like you're tracing someone else's, but <laughs> but there's like a, a rough sketch of where you're headed and where like spatially. Exactly, where you're going. exactly. Okay. And the other thing too is because I'm, you know, if you were doing this digitally, um, uh-huh. it te- like for everyone that is listening, uh, a lot of videos right now, I would say, use a digital approach um, where you can, you know sort of go back and sort of cut out a small portion and redo something, or you can um, just very easy, easily sort of uh, manipulate and edit um, your content after it's created. In my case, since I'm doing an overhead, you know, shot, that's me drawing in permanent marker on my pencil drawing, you only really have one shot to get it right. Um, And I mean, there are ways to do whiteout tape and a variety of things that, you know, you can probably see that I've done that a few times in the videos. But you don't want to have to do that all that often. So um, what I tend to do is actually write the script before I draw. So The words you're going to say? So I've pretty much planned out the entire lecture, Mm -hmm. the drawing, what sort of things are most important to be spoken. And Mm -hmm. then the script sort of informs how I reveal the the pencil drawing and marker. And because the reveal happens in a particular order, it then mirrors the script that I've written, which then sort of allows it to seamlessly all come together when I ultimately, because if you were to watch me draw in real time, the whole thing, uh, I'd end up speeding up each of the clips so that um, it can fit uh, all this content in about 10 to 12 minutes or so. Um, But if you were to watch me draw this in real time, it would take hours. It would take hours uh, for you to see see that all come together. So the whole process of the drawing and all the, you know, the script, the editing and everything ultimately takes about 40 hours to put together a video. Holy cannoli, 40 hours for one 10 minute video? Correct. Is that what you're saying? Oh my goodness. So how many have you made? How many of these videos have you made? Do you keep track? Yeah. So at this point, um, I've sort of... I bookend this histology project at this point. I've I've actually uh, did one more video lecture um, in my third year, uh, which mm-hmm. sort of capped off all of the main topics I wanted to complete, which was 10 video lectures for the histology curriculum. Um, okay. So I was really pleased with how that all, all came together. And I really feel like it's sort of, um, it, it's self, uh, it's all self-contained. I feel like it all sort of works together um, and there are some topics that certainly could be done, uh, mm-hmm. but I feel like a lot of those topics are covered elsewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you want to look those up, you could probably find those videos. Uh, so I'm, at this point, I do have some ideas about future, uh, you know, projects and uh, possibly using this sort of setup in the future. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the histology project, the illustrations of the histology project is pretty much uh, finished at this point. Oh, it's finished. That's, but still, wow, 40 hours times 10, that's a lot of time. So um, what's the feedback been from your, I, I assume that your actual classmates were finished with histology by the time, but your, right. um, the, you know, more junior members of the medical school, what's the feedback been from them? Are they coming to you and talking about these? Yeah, so we did, you know. There's, there's like a few avenues that I've get feedback, you know, of course, people come and, and let me know what they think. And um, it's been a lot of positive feedback. Um, we also did do um, some analysis and um, surveys and ultimately did some pre and post quizzes actually for each of the modules that I created as well to sort of uh, give objective data as to how helpful um, these video lectures are 
and to assess learning, really. Is this an effective way to teach um, students? Um, and, and when you say we, who's we? Oh, I, I think I'm using, you? you know, I, I have so many mentors and, and folks who've helped mm-hmm. me with this project. So um, it's just acknowledging everyone that's helped me along the way. Okay. Yeah. Because you, you shoot these at Brown, correct? Like there's a studio where you that's do right. this there. And there's the, it's so, and can you tell everyone who's listening what kind of camera, what's it called, the way that you're shooting this with a camera sort of clamped above where you're drawing? Is there a name for that? Or is so there... maybe not a name for the approach, but um, mm-hmm. it's actually an animation station. So we, there's a multimedia yeah. lab space. Um, at Brown University, they have these overhead cameras that are attached to this uh, essentially overhead tripod that is over a lit um, area. Um, And most of the time, people use this for creating still photography animations. So they'll draw a frame, take a picture, draw another frame, take a picture. Um, Like, not like claymation, but is it similar to like a, like a, you know, where they move the clay figures. That's not it, right? You're yeah, talking about it could picture. be. It really could be. Okay. The whole thing okay. is actually, I, I actually don't know exactly how they do that just because that wasn't <laughs> the approach I did. But the funny thing was, you know, it's it's always like the happenstance um, situation. Yeah. You know, I was in the multimedia lab um, for a completely different purpose. Um, you know, when I was the summer, before the summer that I was going to do this, I was in there looking um, at their poster printer because I was, in another uh, group that was uh, looking to create a poster, um, a large uh, print poster. So anyway, I was in there looking at their printer and I look across the room and see this animation station and I just get super excited. And I'm like, I don't really care about this industrial printer anymore. I want to know all about this animation station and if I can use it because um, I, prior to actually doing, um, you know, the project, my plan was to do something more along the lines of, you know, have a tripod set up where I essentially lay on my stomach or something on the floor while um, I get overhead shots of me doing this. And I, I actually did a beta test over the um, sort of the winter break before, because it, this, there's like a lot of planning that went into the mm-hmm. whole project. So mm-hmm. really even over the winter, I was thinking about it and um, applying for grants and those sort of things. And um, I actually created my first video. And if you notice the videos that I've created, they progressively get better. And the first one in particular looks a lot different than the rest. And such it, is life, such is life. Yeah. <laughs> so the first, the first one was created um, by getting overhead shots of me in my home at, in, uh, in Syracuse, New York, in the basement. Um, we have a ping pong table. <laughs> where I essentially duct taped this miniature tripod that connected to my like three inch, like tourist camera that I just, you know, slung together and was able to essentially get some height such that I could lay on the floor and get overhead shots of me actually drawing this stuff. Just Um, shot after shot that then you stitched together. It wasn't a video. Okay. It was a video. It it also took video. So all the cameras that I use the, like the photo, um, uh, still still shot cameras also can get video. So okay. it was able to get um, HD quality video. But the issue with that setup is I can't see what I'm like, what's in the frame and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. like the the LCD display is, you know, away from me. Um, and then also, I don't know if my head's in the frame or 
if I'm just like, you know, showing part of the rug on the floor or something. or This like the, DIY ping pong table situation. <laughs> this this is all going to be in your book someday. This is great. <laughs> this is the content that people are going to come for. This is great. <laughs> That's hysterical. But, you know, it worked. Yeah. It worked. Exactly. And, you're, um, you're like uh, Bill Gates or whatever. <laughs> garage or i can't remember which one of them did it in their garage but basically yeah that's that's, that's funny well we'll um, see uh but yeah. you know the the whole thing is it you know you have to have you have to prove to people that you one are dedicated enough and you can you know make things work um so then i was able to get the grant so then i uh you know things fell in place i found the animation station and you know what it works a lot better and my my drawing was even better um, mm-hmm. when I can sit in an ergonomical position, um, <laughs> and I have good lighting. And the yeah. other thing is, um, you know, for folks that go to the channel, there's a video that shows how I make everything as well. Um, yeah. and you'll see, I have this huge, like plasma screen desktop, um, that I get to, to watch as I draw. So I know exactly what I'm, you know, shooting and looking at what you're showing to everyone yeah so yeah the quality just sort of you know was able to skyrocket at that point and it went yeah. from looking like um you know literally out of a basement to something more professional so it's like going back and listening to the demo tapes of your favorite band you're thinking wow i'm really glad that someone saw the promise in these folks because this doesn't sound that good you know (laughs) especially when you know what it's going to sound like in the song you like or something so um i don't know about you but i I go back and listen to like you know re-release digital whatever albums of my favorite bands and they'll just like tack on the demo versions at the end and you're like huh that's not that great i'm really glad that it got better so yeah that's like um you're basement um ping pong video um so uh um your videos have thousands of views and you have almost 900 subscribers on youtube which to me sounds like a lot but i know you know some people have like a million or whatever but you know you're not taylor swift but um not yet yet. (laughs) okay okay i don't know what that means (laughs) one day you'll be taylor swift but um this means that i mean there aren't 900 students in the you know, class at Brown, I guess maybe over a few years, there might be something close to that. But to me, it means that people outside of Brown are looking at these videos. Um, As a member of the Zennial generation, which I had to figure out because people kept telling me I was a millennial, but I don't, I feel like you probably are. And I, I think I am old. Um, The digital format for learning is pretty new to me. Um, Like I told you when I was in medical school, it was, you sit in this chair and you look at the screen and we talk at you and you have a printout of my notes and you can write on them if you want. Um, was this digital format always a way that you learned? Is this something that was pretty prevalent in your, you know, pre-medical school years? And, um, or do you think it's more popular in medical school? Is this like kind of the way things are now? People are learning online and not by video? I think you're totally right. And a lot of people are out there with questions. And um, if they can find a short video that is able to explain to them something. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people are more willing to do that than to read, actually. Um, okay, that's interesting. Do you think that part of, I, I know you still have more to say, but do you think it being short is part of the reason? I think it's a mix of that as well. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, I know for myself, I mean, I certainly will read and I'll like look for things online, but uh, I know a lot of people, especially in medical school, um, when you don't know something, um, you'll go on YouTube sometimes and see if you can find a five minute video on a topic that describes mm. something to you. 
Um, and that was part of the motivation for me to condense these down into, you know, a shorter time frame because mm -hmm. no one's going to click on a video that's two hours that you no. have to sift through to find the 30 seconds that they describe what you're actually looking for. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think this sort of fits in a niche, um, especially right now and uh, how people are learning uh, remotely. Uh, as well as generally, I think a lot of people just like to find online content in a video format because visual learning is really growing as well as just the power of what you can do with video content. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think it's quite remarkable with animations and I, I think you're able, you're able to recall things a lot better when you yeah. sort of see it and hear it in a, multiple ways. So Regardless of if you you know see it on a lecture format the first time with the traditional lecture format, which I think is wonderful and actually is an ideal way to learn. But when you forget something, you don't want to necessarily go back and watch the whole lecture over again. You want mm -hmm. you know a, a five minute abbreviated thing that just reminds you of the key details and reminds you of what you have maybe forgotten. So I think yeah. this maybe fits into that like bigger picture of learning and especially in medical school. I think a lot of people in medical school are looking for these types of uh, videos. Yeah. I, yeah, I always, um, when, when people, you know, when people come up to you and I mean, this will happen to you as you get older, like people will say, Oh, I want to go to medical school. Do you have any advice for me? And I think like, okay. Um, the, I mean, it, it's hard for me to even remember all the tests you have to take to get to the point <laughs> where, you know, like you're a practicing physician. I don't even remember the names of all of them sometimes, but, um, yeah. I will say that in medical school, I try to tell people that not a lot of what you learn is necessarily super difficult. It's not how I don't, I don't remember feeling in medical school the way I felt in organic chemistry where I just was like, things were just flying. And of course you're a biochemist, but so you're not like this, but I was a Spanish major and things would just fly over my head. I'd be like, okay, I got to go sit down and learn this and figure out what they're sure. talking about. Yeah. In medical school, information is just coming at you. It's like a garden hose, you know, and you just have to figure out how to break it up into pieces so that you can digest it. Otherwise it can seem so overwhelming. And so I think being organized is really 90% of the game in medical school is just figuring out what you need to know, breaking it down into pieces that you can, and figuring out how you learn. So yeah. that's really interesting. Because <laughs> like there's coming an analogy out of, that someone told yeah. me about this. Yeah, they they say you know learning in medical school is like drinking from a fire hose, and I also agree with you. It's it's actually much more manageable than that. Um, yeah, like I don't know if it's sound... drinking from a water hose, but just like, whatever drink. it is. You know what? Yeah. You know what someone told yeah. me um, huh. that it's like having to eat five very large pancakes every day. And oh, yum. I, I like, yeah. I like that analogy because everyone loves pancakes. Like we're, we're in medicine because we love it. Right. But the whole thing is five big pancakes is a lot. And it, it gets to the point where you really don't want pancakes anymore at some point. No. And the no. thing is, if and you don't eat all your pancakes one day, then you have six yeah. pancakes to eat the next day. Right, and then, right. And and then it's just like, at, by, yeah, by the end of the week, you got 15 for one day and that's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's true. And it's it's about pacing, which I suppose the pancake metaphor um, It's about, you know, learning, learning how you learn. And so I think making things available in more than one format is really crucial, especially since I think historically, um, 
certain kinds of learners were almost rewarded for the way that they learned. I, I had mm-hmm. friends in medical school who could go to a lecture, hear someone say something, and then just remember it. You know, I'm not like that. I yeah, still have either. friends <laughs> who can say who I, I know people like my mentors who can say, you know, I think there was an article about that in 2013 in this volume, in this journal, and this person was the first author. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? How do you do that? You know, but everyone's different. So mm-hmm. I think making things and being more flexible is lovely. So that's a good point. Um, uh, so how do you, in, in medical school, how have you figured out is the best way for you to study? What's the best? Because medical school is all about memorization. How do you memorize things? Flashcards, whiteboards? It can't be all videos, oh, right? You know what? Um, the way that You're I right. learned was by teaching. Um, oh. which so is, you taught even concurrently, like while you were learning the material. So a lot of the medical students, if they happen to listen to this, will know actually, but, um, uh-huh. before every exam, I'd make a comprehensive PowerPoint review slide uh, oh. set that I would share yeah. with everybody. Um, and it's something we have a notes collective, which is, is essentially, um, a Brown university only available and usable um, space where students can share notes and helpful resources and those sort of things. It so happened that, you know, I found that the best way for me to learn was to essentially ask myself questions that I didn't know and try to identify the areas that were most important and the things that were then also most likely to be tested. So I essentially yeah. made PowerPoint slides um, that would alternate between a question Um, that went through every lecture and essentially identified questions that you should be asking yourself in every lecture and answer to those on the opposing slide. Um, So literally, I I actually stepped away from doing that for a block, I think. Um, And with like four more days until the test or like five more days until the test, I got so nervous because I felt like I just didn't know the information since I didn't make my PowerPoint slide. I just made the ent- entire PowerPoint deck um, before the test still and um, sent it out to everybody. So, wow. Um, that's that's interesting because uh, that's one of the ways I think about knowledge is like feeding it through a funnel, right? Like when yeah. people, because if you have, like when you know this, you'll see when you study for a board exam, right? They ask you to know everything about radiology or internal medicine. It's like a crazy amount of information. So I would just keep reading things and only write down the things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then it would get smaller and smaller. And I would carry around these notebooks that made me look like a crazy person, but they just <laughs> had my like, you know, like condensed notes in it. So that's, that's interesting, but you're, you're still doing it all on the computer. Do you, do you see anybody in your class using a pen and paper anymore? Oh, Does anybody yeah, for do sure, that? For sure. I okay. mean, people make study guides where they'll rewrite things and try to condense uh-huh. things down onto one sheet of paper. Wow. Um, I mean, the <laughs> thing is, is like, yeah. I think people are starting to realize, especially now that this note, note collective has been around for a long time, that uh-huh. essentially any flashcard that you would ever make has already been created by someone else um, right. in the so class. Maybe that. Right. The value might be in actually writing it down yourself, right? Not just looking yeah. at someone else's it's, note card. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, in medical school, the term that I've gotten most um, familiar with is high yield. You always <laughs> want to try to find the most high yield information. Uh, it's like all about efficiency, right? So yeah. um, essentially, you know, people have created slides, um, decks of, of like uh, flashcards online 
Um, there's other platforms, one called Aki that is a like time-based flashcard deck. So based on how well you know something, it will then repeat that card in an interval oh. of time that makes sense based on how well you know it. Um, it's like purgatory. It you're is... never getting out of there. You just keep <laughs> looking at flashcards. I know. <laughs> I know. Actually, it's. I'm not sure how what is best for like people's general health, but I mean, right. in terms of learning, that's... it actually does work pretty well. That's um, really interesting. Of course, someone figured that out. That's so cool. Yeah. And that's... you know, there's like there's. I don't. I don't want to like necessarily like promote certain things, but I know that there's also programs out there that essentially do drawings of scenes like uh like storytelling that has nothing to do with medicine but each thing in that picture represents something that you need to know in regards to like a medication or a micro or something like that <laughs> as a way for you to remember stuff essentially that's how i learned all of microbiology um, it's like a visual mnemonic kind of exactly that's, so that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah Wow, that is amazing. You'll have to send me those links so I can stick them in the notes because I'm sure people my age are going to be really interested in that. That did not exist when I was in medical school. I love it. I would have been all over that. So yeah, um, I mean, it's endless. I, I feel like we're just yeah. at the tip of what is sort of just a revolution in in changes yeah. in education, how, how we're learning. I think we're realizing that just sticking to our uh, traditional formats Although yeah. they certainly do work. I mean, um, there is other learning styles and also yeah. people generally identify better with certain learning styles. So, um, yeah. yeah, just having a variety of um, ways to approach learning, I think, is always. Yeah, to see which one sticks. And that's, yeah, because, I mean, the, the, the most important thing, I think, um, is to learn how you learn because after you leave medical school and you're a resident, it's even harder to find time to study. So you need to know those quote high yield things that help you. And then yeah. as you go on throughout your life, you know, you have to recertify for board exams. It never stops. So oh, you do? You, you have, oh, no. Oh, well, you do in pathology. I think most no, things yeah. have, yeah, so the, the testing never stops. And, um, uh, it, I mean, I was taking tests when I had, you know, a like a toddler and stuff. So it's, it's just, you, you have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And I think it sounds like, you know, at least there's more options now, which is lovely. Um, so one thing that I have been thinking about a lot lately, because I've been teaching and I've been teaching remotely, which is not, I mean, this is not what we're talking yeah, about absolutely. today, but it's been hard for me to learn the digital technology to get over those hurdles of recording YouTube videos and things like that, which wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. But I am interested in people who get places and seem to have like what I think of as like a fire in their belly, which I definitely think you have. I think probably a lot of people in medicine do. Um, but I have this theory that people who, who are like you um, had someone along the way that they used as a model for success. It doesn't have to be someone who did exactly what you're doing, but someone that they used as a mentor um, or sometimes it can be, you know, 10 different people that you sort of smush together in your head and use like different parts of each person to sort of chart a path for you. Is there someone like that or more than one person's like that in your, in your past who you think That's of? That's a great question. And, um, I feel like I've been shaped. You don't have so to name names mentors. or anything if you don't want to. Yeah. No, I, I, I yeah. actually feel like I can, uh, okay. and I think it would be totally appropriate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm generally drawn to people who I admire and want to be my mentor. And I feel like that's sort of sort of pushed me along, especially in my 
most recent, you know, professional life in college and, um, you know, medical school and those sort of things. But I think like the general sense of like pushing myself and uh, getting a lot of self-confidence was through having an older brother, I would say. Oh, that's so nice. Um, And like he is just absolutely stellar at everything he does or at least he he makes it seem very easy um so i guess always growing up i felt like i could do things because i had a great mentor in that way um Mm -hmm. and i think that just sort of continued throughout my life i just have you know maybe a lot of uh confidence in my own abilities self-efficacy um to get things done um partially because I felt like I always had someone older than me showing me how to do things, you know, and that, that, that it could be done. Yeah. Well, does he, I hope he knows that you're going to say that. Cause that was really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll listen to this. Yeah. Like, probably maybe, will yeah. He can be one of like the 13 people that subscribe. I'm just kidding. It's not that low. <laughs> but anyway, um, I've decided that because my podcast is called deeper levels and you're not a pathologist. So you might not realize that that's a pun on pathology oh. because we cut deeper levels into a, Block, I like, like it. To get more, yeah, I'm <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I've decided that fans of my podcast are going to be called level heads. Get mm. it? Like level headed. I love it. Anyway, so you can be one of those if you want. But anyway, um, when you're telling so, me I'm the first person to be interviewed as part of this podcast, no, no, you're the first person with a theme song. With a theme song. Sure. Oh, the theme song. My well, theme I'm... song, which I hope <laughs> went swimmingly oh, because I, I have I been I saw a, a bunch of wonderful podcasts and that yeah, makes yeah. more sense no, no. <laughs> yeah 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 you're the first person with a theme song because it took I me a while that, to get though. that together it's it's technology which we've covered I'm not um aces at I sort of have to force myself to do it um so um the third year of medical school which you're almost finished with I assume yeah, that's you have right. like a month and a half left um it's a at least at most places and I assume Brown is very similar it's mm-hmm. a heavy clinical year with basically what I think of as like the big sort of like the primary care specialties and the surgery and the stuff that you have to, you can't leave medical school without knowing. Um, How did it feel to have COVID-19 sort of like sweep up on you in the middle of that experience? Because I know they stopped having medical students rotate at some point, but there had to be, um, which is a whole separate, I mean, you can talk about that as well, but how did it feel for it to sort of start be like percolating while you were still, I'm assuming, rotating someplace? Sure, sure. Now the way, I mean, just due to timing, um, I mean, I I think our class is actually fairly fortunate um, just because we were able to finish all but one of our core clerkship. Um, Mm -hmm. So we were really at the tail end. We have two weeks um, of third year clerkships to finish prior to then moving on to sub-I's and electives and such. Um, So, you know, I I think, you know, we're, we're actually doing okay. Um, but it certainly, I, I think ultimately I just, you know, uh, my heart goes out to everyone that is in a much more difficult situation than myself. Um, Mm -hmm. generally me not being able to, to go in, um, you know, I certainly want to be there, but if it's going to lead to more people being sick or me using, for example, a mask or something that could be used by someone else who really needs it at this time, that makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah. fortunately we're going to be able to return fairly soon because we're going to have enough mass and um, protective equipment for, mm-hmm. for all of the students. I mean, uh, I think students at some point become essential because we need, um, you know, future doctors. So, um, yeah. What a time to learn though. Uh, Dang. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is real world <laughs> learning. Uh, yeah. you know, what ended yeah. up happening 
was because of the whole situation. They ended up pausing our clerkships and, um, you know, a number of opportunities, uh, you know, in a situation like this do arise. Um, we weren't able to participate in direct patient care. However, um, you know, various efforts in the community, which, um, you know, there, there have been many uh, volunteer efforts to um, assist, um, you know, became available. And one of those was to actually go over to the Rhode Island Department of Health and assist their team with various tasks, um, mm-hmm. from calling patients to, um, you know, contact tracing and ultimately trying to sort of figure out how to approach this at a state level. Uh, actually, a lot of medical students, including myself, were there um, participating in that um, after we were sort of, you know, not no longer able to be in the hospital. So yeah. um, I, I ended up doing that for a few weeks. Um, and it so happens around this time, it's uh, not atypical for students to be working on uh, sort of self-directed learning for preparing for step or uh, board exams. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I've also been sort of condensing everything I've learned this year um, by studying for step two, which is the last written exam that you have to take prior to graduation in terms of board exams. Um, so mm-hmm. I've actually been able to be fairly productive. I mean, it's it's a really horrible time um, and a lot of people are, are suffering, suffering uh, dearly. Uh, I know uh, personally people who have lost their life to COVID um, and it's, it's, it's certainly not um, something that I don't think it, it's just a very tough time for, for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it's tough to use words. I don't know about you, but I feel like when people say, are you being productive in this time? And you want to yeah. say like, this is not, um, it's not so, like, I don't, I know there, no one means for it to sound like that, but in my head, I'm thinking like, this isn't sabbatical, you know, this isn't like, this isn't like a time that I'm using. It, it's, I feel like I am being productive in spite of what is happening. Do you know what I mean? Of like the mental fogginess that sort of happens sometimes because you're living through a pandemic, but yeah. it is, it is interesting. Um, I find the way that different people approach that and some people are hyper productive and some people you know, are coping in different ways. So that's interesting. I wonder what the PowerPoint looks like that you're using to study for step two. Is it like crashing computers at this point? Like 4 million slides deep. So I think at this point, I've actually transitioned to a slightly different approach. Um, okay. But, um, you know, I think everything I've done up until this point has given me a strong, you know, okay. um, basic okay. clinical understanding. Um I'm just joking with you. I was just picturing you like <laughs> oh, making this reference. Like, so true, though. Like yeah. 4,500 for so stuff too. There's so much to know. Although I, from what I remember, that wasn't as hard as the first one, but I don't remember. Yeah. From what I, what I can tell so yeah. far, it seemed yeah. to be a little bit more straightforward. Um, yeah. Less of like if, if you paid like attention to your chromosome was here. that disorder involved right. with. Um, oh. It's more. Although of, pathology, that's what we do, bud. We, we're all about chromosomes <laughs> and uh, disease processes. So the important yeah, ones, but, but the important ones for sure. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, that's good. So now we'll move on to the fun stuff. You play a musical instrument. Is that That's something right. you've done your whole life or did you pick that up later in life and do you still find time? I saw that you're in some sort of orchestra. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That that happens to be probably my, my 
outside of this project, that that's probably mm-hmm. the biggest second project, or um, even maybe the first project in terms of time investment that I've put into it. Um, but mm-hmm. music has always been part of my life. Um, I started playing in the fourth grade. I play the violin. Um, I'm mm-hmm. classically trained. I, I uh, you know, had so many great people to learn with um, and learn from. All my best friends growing up played instruments. Um, had really? great, great teachers so to learn from. Uh, I, I think you know, there's a lot of lot to say about um, you know, music enhancing uh, your life, and uh, yeah. music has certainly and done done that for me. And I didn't want to uh, stop. You know, it's it had been become you know something very important to me. So uh, in medical school, I I sort of looked for ways to continue to uh, do music. And you know, in my first year, there was a group called Healing Through Harmony, which is a group that uh, plays music uh, for local nursing home residents and over at the hospital as well. Uh, for example, in common space areas. Um, at, uh, for like the waiting area for the cancer ward. So, um, you know, I would go and do that weekly uh, during my first year. And then, uh, and also I was, you know, helping to sort of organize a lot of that. But there was something that I was really missing. Um, and it was sort of the the connection. I, I love music and the way you can connect with your audience, but there is a special connection you have with fellow musicians. And uh, I was looking for a way to sort of, you know, play in an orchestra again, if possible. Um, but also, you know, you know, continue to get to know and uh, connect with folks in the medical field. And there, by chance, you know, happened to be a conductor who was looking to actually start a medical orchestra in Providence, believe it or not. Um, that sounds like right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite, quite remarkable, actually. Um, and, you know, between my first and second year, actually, while I was creating the illustrations of a histology, I was also on the side, sort of recruiting musicians and trying to figure out how to get funding to start an orchestra, um, which is uh, now called the Providence Medical Orchestra. Um, okay. We were in our second year. Um, unfortunately, we did have to cancel our, our third concert uh, this year um, because of, uh, you know, the limits on um you know number of people that could be in a space well yo-yo ma has been playing on facebook so maybe you could do something like that we I are considering yeah. to do a virtual yeah. orchestra so um, especially like he was doing it for healthcare workers yeah you know, yeah there's a lot tribute. to be done there's yeah. a lot to be yeah. done yo-yo That's ma amazing. it's uh, inspiring us all for sure um, oh man yeah he just looks like he's just <laughs> sort of like strolling down the street when he plays too. i love he's listening amazing. to him he's phenomenal. yeah for real yeah um, that's great. Well, that's 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 probably a very good outlet. It's probably good for you to sort of mix yeah. it up with the different parts of your brain. <laughs> so, you always um, need a break. And I feel like oh, music has yeah. served that well for me um, throughout my life and especially now. Yeah, that's great. Um, probably much healthier for your brain than watching television, which is what most of us do, <laughs> or some of us do at least. So Don't worry. Um, I do that you, too. Don't worry. Oh, okay. good, good. So you're, um, you're also a Greek dancer. Are you Greek? That's right. How did that yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily look very Greek, but I am. Okay. Uh, okay. Like, I, like, like you, you did not come here from Greece, I assume, but like it's great grandparents. Yes. But okay. Uh, Oh, my, oh wow, great grandparents, and, it, and it's yeah. still something that you sort of own and think about on on the regular right. enough to know how to dance. So tell me about that. It, it comes. Um, so I guess long story short is I'm also Greek Orthodox, and the the faith oh. and the culture and uh, everything sort of comes together. 
And sure. I learned how to Greek sure. dance actually at my church in uh, Syracuse, New York, and okay. um, was part of the, the Greek dance troupe there. Um, part of, and is it like part of the celebration or, or not mass or whatever you call it? Is it part of the ceremony or well, is it just something you do as part of? It's actually more of the cultural sense. So it's not okay. like a religious thing that we do per se. Okay. It's, um, okay. we have actually around here, for example, um, you know, the Greek festival at, in Cranston also, um, there's one, uh, essentially a lot of the local, um, Greek fests in, in various towns. A lot of the churches hold a Greek fest, crest of the festival. Mm. And um, that's what they did in Syracuse as well. And all of this, the, um, all of the, the college age students, you know, each age group would have their own dance troupe and they would perform at the festival. So um, I learned for the festival and then uh, in coming to Providence, Rhode Island, it so happens that one of my mentors is, uh, you know, both part of the Greek Orthodox community here in, in Providence, Rhode Island, um, but also led um, and leads the uh, Greek dance troupe as well. So I ended up connecting with him and now I'm also dancing here in Providence. That's amazing. Can you describe what it's like for, since this is not a visual medium, is it, I'm picturing kicking and things or is it? You is have it more... Yeah, there's definitely some kicking. Okay. It's a lot, um, it's line dancing. Um, so oftentimes it's chore- it's all choreographed. Um, there's usually a like certain contra dancing kind of, or no? Um, it's it's more a single line um, that sort okay. of goes okay. in a circular motion. Typically, I mean, there's always variations, and some of the partner dances can be a little more complex in in the organization and such. But the traditional, you know, if you go to a Greek wedding, for example, um, okay. if you ever saw my big fat Greek wedding, there's a big line of people dancing. Um, and it's, you know, uh, like for example, the Kalamatiano, a, uh, 12 step dance is, uh, eight, eight steps forward, four steps back. And then you sort of repeat that again. Um, okay. there's a lot of variations and things you can add to make it look fancy and, and fun. But I guess the, the whole thing is, uh, you, you're on your toes for the most part. Um, so it's like okay. a sort of a lighter, um, uh, dance typically, um, you, you don't want to like be stomping around, um, but there's a lot of like upper body, um, unlike, for example, like, uh, let's say Irish dancing or something like that. Um, or the Russian kick dance. I don't even know what that's <laughs> called, where the men like go all the way down and then kick all the they, way up. We certainly do yeah. that as well. So it's like, it's sort of yeah. an in-between, let's say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> I like it. All right. Yeah. I want, I gotta go see that someday. Apparently I, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know what to go see, but I love dancing. Well, hopefully, you know, things are looking up and, uh, by the fall time, the Cranston Greek Fest um, will be happening. Yeah. So I'll yeah. be there with if, it's, if it's if it's on. Yeah, with like matching masks for your entire dance <laughs> troupe or whatever you call it. I know, group. right? Um, yeah, yeah. So you've launched something into space. Um, what what did you launch? You don't have to go through the like how you built <laughs> everything, but like what was it? And is it still out there? <laughs> Do you check on it, or is it just like a? It boom was in a sounding there? rocket. So um, okay. Once again, it was more of like a. Just, I mean, it's one of the most phenomenal experiences I've ever had. Um, I was okay. offered an experience out of uh, the physics research that I had done to essentially okay. do a project with NASA. And it sort of led to a, a three-year collaboration. Um, so three years um, in a row. You weren't was... old enough to have done all these things. This is crazy. Were you 15 <laughs> when you started with NASA? Uh, it's <laughs> a mix of luck and being in the right, I don't know, skill and being in the right place at the right time. Um, yes. 
but it was uh, just phenomenal. The the rockets that we did send up, um, they're called sounding rockets. So they do not go nearly as high as where like the International Space Station is, but they okay. certainly go out of the atmosphere. And you can do some essential, te- you can do some testing um, and various analysis of things that you want to look at. You also have a period of free fall that's really um, un- unmatched. Um, so there's a lot of zero G type experiments that are done in these sort of things. Okay. Um, so a uh, long story short, uh, no, my stuff is still not in space. It, it's about a 15 minute flight, but, uh, oh, I okay. do have a few trinkets that, um, have been sent into space. Um, and, and, uh, and, and research that we have completed there. as well. They're, so. still, they're still out there just rot- orbiting something. something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Actually things that went up and came back down that I have in my possession. So. Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. Okay. So, you know, it's like this thing. I have some space. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, good for you. Yeah. A physicist. Um, uh, oh, and I wanted to ask, do you like comic books or anything with the drawing that you do? Are you into oh. like graphic novels and that kind of thing? Or is that, is this just something that you developed as a study technique? I was wondering that when oh, I watched you, because the only other time I've seen this kind of like drawing board stuff is those things they do when they plan out cinematography. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah. I actually yeah. happen to not be a uh, comic book person. However, I, I wouldn't say I, it's more of, I just haven't engaged with that medium too much. Um, I, I imagine I would like it. I think, I, I think it's like a phenomenal form of art and enough. just, you know, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I have to, you know, get on that. Thanks for not well. You, it sounds like you have enough going on. So <laughs> do you, um, when you, uh, this is a silly question, but when you write on paper, do you like to, and you're studying, yeah. do you prefer markers, which is what you're using in the videos or do you like something like you know, what do you take notes with? Are you a colorful notes person too? I am. I tend to do all pencil, believe it or not. I mm. have these very nice uh, mechanical pencils that have very like a 0.5 uh, millimeter. Um, so you're a thin pencil, correct. mechanical pencil because person. It, you can just have that is exact um you know uh-huh. approach do you want to know that i don't i cannot stand this kind of my husband likes them too i can't stand them <laughs> i like like my daughter's friends every time she goes to a birthday party she gets a pencil i'm like why are you giving little kids pencils you're gonna stab each other so i have this collection of pen, like old school pencils and a pencil sharpener that's so interesting that you write in pencil yeah yeah huh. and you know what else i cannot stand and this is like a weird thing is highlighters i don't like them oh why is that like i'm curious because they bleed through the paper and then you can only write on one side of the paper, which I feel like is wasteful. That's, uh, why I that's, like true. that's yeah. true. So plus I, once I start looking at a piece of paper and highlighting something, then I'm like, well, I should have highlighted the other thing too. And then I start getting in this vicious guilt cycle where I'm like, I highlighted the wrong thing. <laughs> I no, I just want to highlight. They want unhighlight. <laughs> What's the point in highlighting if your whole page is highlighted? It's mental. Mm-hmm. I realize this. Anyway. That's fun to talk to someone else who's kind of um, nerdy and likes to study. Um, So, and now the question that is on my mind as a pathologist is, do you want to become a pathologist or are you still pluripotent at this point? You're getting towards the point where you're probably having to start deciding, right? That's true. That's true. So I certainly um, have a very open mind and this is not the last you've seen of me in terms of teaching and all of those sort of things. However, I'm definitely um, sort of, leaning towards and strongly leaning towards doing pediatrics at this point. I'm, I'm very interested in, uh, Oh, they would be kids. lucky to have 
Yeah, that's wow. I can say I did not appreciate pediatricians as much when I was in medical school as I did when I had kids. And you're like, oh man, it's so important that good people do this job because it's so hard. <laughs> to, yeah. Yes, children are difficult. So good for you. Well, yeah, I'm sure you can bring your skill set there as well. But I thought maybe we would, it's just, I, I not just at Brown, but it's always hard to interface medical students as much with pathology. I feel like they don't a lot of times even know what pathologists do. So I'm glad that at Brown, that's not the case. So at this point, I usually indulge in some bad pathology humor, which you don't have to understand, but it's called the final (laughs) diagnosis section. It's like we write reports and that's what we say. So my final, and you're free to give one after me if you want to think about it. So my final diagnosis is that I think it's very fun to be involved in education and I'm always running into something new and the young people these days never fail to surprise me. I interviewed another medical student for the show who I guess technically wasn't a medical student anymore. He graduated early so that he could become a sort of what I called an interim intern and go work on a COVID ward, which blows my mind. And then the stuff you're up to, it's just amazing. So I'm I'm impressed and I can't wait to see what you decide and what you continue to do. And I'll say that I knew you when, like I said, you know, it's like you're building everything in your garage at this point, but you're not on your stomach anymore on the ping pong table. Correct, so that's correct. Funny. My um, posture is very wanna... good at this point. <laughs> do you want to give a final diagnosis? Oh, well, or final thoughts so you can stay general. I, I'm going to stay general. So, yeah. you know, one, you know, thank you so much for having me. Um, please do, if you're listening, check out the channel, uh, Illustrations of Histology. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll link to it in my... Um, oh, that would be great. Yeah, be you know, a friend of mine, just to, as a funny thing, he was he's a little bit older and he was like, why don't you put your podcasts on YouTube? And I was like... Because they're just audio. <laughs> so maybe I'll just, as a joke, I'll put this show on YouTube just with the audio. There you so go. You can, since it's your, it's your home more than mine. Yeah, with your 900 followers or whatever. But yeah. I'll link to it in the show notes. And then all the other things you mentioned, hopefully you can send to me as well. Some of those study tools. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just also to wish everyone well that's listening to this. I, I certainly hope that things can, uh, you know, return back to, you know, what we consider a bit more normal soon, but at the same time, you know, um, reach out to those that you love and those that care about you if you need help and um, yeah. just continue being you and have fun and do the best you yeah. can. Yeah. Certainly. That's good advice. Well, thank you so much for coming, Chris, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye, Chris.